In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, maybe your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash Big Climb. Beach, the only place to read your emails and tweets. It's Wednesday, June 3rd. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, hey yo. yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Last but not least, making the magic happen, it's J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to everybody who sent in questions over the last week or so. Keep them coming, guys. No dunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at no dunks Inc. or use the hashtag no dunks. Also, a sincere thanks to everyone who emailed or tweeted in their support after listening to Monday's podcast, in which we tried to speak from the heart about the protests over the death of George Floyd and police brutality in this country and raising kids in this country and the steps and conversations that we all need to take you know, especially as white people, towards making a positive change for our black brothers and sisters. I said at one point on that pod that if the stick to sports, I throw that in air quotes, uh, crowd, um, you know, is out there and they're upset, then we don't want them on our team. Well, I'm proud to say this team runs deep, I think, here with this No Dunks crew and the listeners out there. So again, thank you for uh, for, for talking to us and tweeting and emailing, and in, emailing in how you feel we just got to make sure to keep that same energy up in this fight, I think. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. One of my biggest pet peeves in life is people who sort of, they talk a big game, but they never back it up. And it it drives me bonkers. It's just talk, 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 but no action. Or in today's world, it's really tweet, 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 but no action. So let's, you know, just a reminder to keep at it and demand better from those who are supposed to protect and serve us and educate yourself and donate and volunteer and vote. Just do what you can, because real change is going to take, you know, sustained effort uh, that can't go away, especially when basketball hopefully comes back. We can't just be like, oh, b-ball's back. Cool. You know, so keep it up. Keep your foot on the gas is what I'm saying. But again, thanks to everyone for your sincere messages that you sent in. We, we appreciate it. I know I can speak for everybody on that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to everybody who listened. And like Skeets is saying, we need to keep that same energy because it's not about us. It's about us uh, standing alongside black people as we all fight for equality and as we all fight against injustice, reminding people uh, that black lives matter. It's great for people and it's very nice of them to email us and say thank you or to say that they listen to the show. 
but you know there are other things you can do to be helping as well like Skeets is saying volunteer vote sign positions or petitions amplify black voices uh you know the outrage dies down pretty quickly unfortunately with these things a lot of times um with the nba coming back uh, eventually there's going to be a platform for us to continue addressing inequality and we'll continue to do that and i hope that the fans who are still listening and who have been supportive so far will continue to support those movements as well well let's get to the first question here because it relates uh, to everything that's going on so we'll just get into it a little bit more sup alley-oopsies after the weekend i was broken up and finding it hard to think about basketball again your words this monday morning helped me pick up the pieces and find the motivation to do my part so thank you question george floyd and continuing to bring awareness to the larger problem we all face will be at the forefront of the nba if it resumes or not with all the talk of asterisks and gimmicks, do these playoffs have a chance to be one of the most impactful slash meaningful slash memorable? Stay sane, sanitize, awesome. That's from Michael W. in California. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, I hope so. I guess uh, I'm optimistic that that would be the case. It would be impactful. It could be meaningful, memorable, whatever you want to call it, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I, there is truth to sports bringing people together. It just does. It holds this weird power to unite people, you know, um, generally of all races and backgrounds. And that's, that's great. And the other reason that I'm optimistic is, as we've seen over the last couple of days, there's no shortage um, of really true leaders in the NBA community. Players like LeBron, outspoken on social media, CP3. We've seen Towns, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon. It goes on and on and on. Coaches, Dwayne Casey. Highly recommend you go listen to the podcast. Zach Lowe talking to Pistons coach Dwayne Casey. Steve Kerr, Lloyd Pierce, Pop, Doc Rivers. And then execs like Masai Ujiri. So, optimistic. But I'll be honest, also, and we've talked about this already in the past here. On the other hand, basketball is a game. And right now, it all seems pretty damn frivolous. So, um, hopefully... I'm hopeful, um, you know, in a couple of months, if this season does restart, that, yeah, it will be, uh, it'll be used to do more good, I guess is what I'm getting at. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, well, it's it's a long, long time from now. And so no one should be sitting here waiting for NBA players to uh, turn this thing around, somehow change police departments in this country. I mean, that's... Two months in the world of activism is a lifetime. I, I'm kind of happy that sports aren't around right now, so we don't have distractions. So there's mm. our real issues in front of us, and we can just be focusing on that. And it's it's not on the players to make the changes happen. It is great they're speaking out. Um, it it is a, a great that a lot of brands and companies, as sanitized as those statements are, there are some real ones. Ben and Jerry's threw a real one out there yesterday. There's some. There's more of that happening right now. More white people getting on board right now than any time I remember in in my lifetime. And so that's what's important. Um, As far as uh, basketball players, sure. I mean, they will be there. But what really matters is now. There will be shirts. There will be demonstrations in Orlando if if that happens. But what what really matters is now and the protests in all 50 states. There's 50 states happening as we speak right now from Alaska to Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah. The whitest of the white are protesting in 
in abundance uh, for this. So that, that it, it, there is something different about it in that we're all seeing it right now and that people are joining in. Uh, but but let's not wait for for basketball players to uh, to change anything and to, for them to be on a court to try and change it. That's not where things are, are changed. Their voices will help, uh, and they are helping uh, right now. As you mentioned, some of those voices there, Skeets. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're not waiting for them. Nobody should be waiting for them. Yes, uh, for me, I'm optimistic that this season can be meaningful as well. Uh, we don't need to be waiting for black NBA players um, or hoping that they are the ones who are going to institute change because black NBA players have been civic leaders for decades, dating back to Bill Russell in the 1960s. We've seen them, uh, black NBA players, be leaders so far already. You know, you guys mentioned Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Tobias Harris. Everybody has been uh, has been giving of their time and their safety and they've just been incredibly brave to be out there and they are going to keep the spot conversation in the spotlight and like you're saying Tast, a lot of white people's eyes and ears or mouths are open right now and we know we know that the black NBA players will continue to be vocal uh, it is incumbent upon us as white people uh, at white players, white fans, white media, we all watch a game that is majority black and we need to continue to listen to the leaders who are telling us about the injustices and the inequality they've faced at the hands of police since the founding of our country. We need to continue to amplify those voices and we, uh, no dunks, no doubt, is gonna continue to support equality. We're gonna continue to fight injustice. Two months is a long time. to maintain that energy, but you know, black people have been uh, fighting against this for 500 years, and if we're not able to have the balls to do it for two months, have the balls to do it until November, and to have the balls to do it for the rest of our lives, it really doesn't matter. Um, we have to just continue to fight and fight and fight for change, and you know, when the NBA comes back, it's gonna be a platform for a lot of people who are watching a sport that is 80% black, that is that has given us our livelihoods, and you know we just all have to make sure that we acknowledge and we continue to support the fight, and we just have to keep reminding people that Black Lives Matter. It's going to be a long time between now and November, but that's a lot of time to do some work. Yeah, I would just say uh, on top of that, I mean, this is the great sport that does bring a lot of whites and blacks together. So I think this is just a great opportunity for us, particularly the whites, to to really show that we are more than just basketball fans and we're more than just supporting these players and athletes because they're fantastic basketball players. You know, we want to support them in their causes and we can do that by, by really making our voice heard and being truly visible and supportive of uh, black injustices. I think that's very, very important. So, you know, basketball gives us that platform to to bring us together, but it's incumbent on us to make sure that we then take that platform and run with it and and show that our support is not just about basketball. It's about everything related to to black people and minorities everywhere in the world. And I, I think that's the other thing about basketball. It's a global game. And so it gives us a chance to really express ourselves in that respect to supporting, uh, you know, th- this sport, but but the other important issues surrounding the players and the coaches and, and the athletes who who play this game that we all love. And uh, echo Lee's sen- sentiment: We are the whites. We are the whites. That's, that's that was a joke, but anyway. But I agree. Um, it, it is crazy to think 
that we have to say black lives matter it is it is bonkers <laughs> that, it, that is but it, it is it is something that needs to be reiterated over and over and we do uh, make money and make our living supporting black players and black people and uh um and so I, it's it, it, it is upon us and, and everybody who supports this show uh, because they are also enjoying um african-american black people playing a game and um and yeah it'll bring us together but uh, what has to bring us together now is is to really is the idea that we got to make some change and it's 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 hard it, change is is very very hard there's a an arrest in in atlanta six officers um a, a few of them fired a couple charged because they uh they used a stun gun against a couple in a car um last weekend and then you know very quickly after the police chief said you know what they're not backing us there's already a feud between the police chief and the government it's the police systems are very very difficult to change police unions are difficult to change they have a lot of clout uh and and so that that, it's not something that we can just you know hope a couple get charged i mean it is just it's going to be a long 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 battle uh like it has been forever so uh, you know, as Trey said, two months is a long time. Um, it seems like for basketball to start, but it, it's absolutely nothing. Activists have been at this for their entire lives and their entire lives. And this is their lives work. So uh, we should be able to uh, to keep our our dander up for a long period of time here and uh, and ask for some some real change and, and demand that it happens, because it's even when it superficially happens it sort of happened after ferguson uh there was you know an advisory board or a review board of the police in that situation but those things kind of you know they fade in and out and and so it's happening in minnesota right now there's an investigation to the police department after um george floyd's death but um you can't stop you really you you can't stop until until things actually change and um it's a nice start. I, I thought it would die down, um, you know, these these protests, but we've had eight days and going very, very strong. And the, the majority of them are peaceful. And uh, I really hope everybody keeps it up. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, listening to Black Opinions Matter last uh, last night. I was listening to Jamel Hill talk about having, quote unquote, uncomfortable conversations finally with some of her white friends. And I mean, really, what it boils down to is that we need to stay uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable for many, many white people. I've been to parties here in the U.S., and I've never been around people that are so unwilling to talk about politics and talk to the other people in the room. Like, there's so many times it's been, hold on, hold on, that guy, Mike's coming over, he's a big Trump guy, so let's let's just... Tamp it down, tamp it down. It's like no, we got, we have to talk, and we have to be uncomfortable. It's uh, and and it's so crazy to me that that's really all that's being asked of us is to be uncomfortable from now until however long it takes to make change. I mean, it's which is nothing compared to what black people face every day in this country. So uh, yeah, stay uncomfortable, and as you say. Tess, I mean, changing the police force. The police force isn't going anywhere. Um, uh, like, I've seen people talk about defunding the police. I've seen them, you know, get rid of the police. It's like, no, that's, that's just not happening. Um, 
but yeah, we, we like I, it. It pains me to say this, but as a as a left leaning lefty, you got to bust up those the cop unions. You know, we gotta we, we have to take the power back from the police, and then and then rebuild. Like it's a complete rebuild. But mm-hmm. uh, but the first step is to get uncomfortable and stay uncomfortable, and don't turn off this podcast or any other podcast that that says something that you may disagree with. You know. Write in, tweet about it, uh, you know, get involved in the conversation. Try to convince people it's uncomfortable, but that's okay. And turn off your cars. Don't idle. Be uncomfortable in your hot car. Oh, JD, you'll be happy to know. I took, uh, Nora was going to get some groceries yesterday. And, uh, you know, we're obviously, I'm like, I'm, well, do you need me to go in with you? Because there is still a pandemic going on yeah. here. So if you're good, uh, I'm just going to Trader Joe's and they're doing, uh, you know, incredible measures i think to try and keep uh, the social distancing and allowing so many people in and keep everybody safe she's like no no i'll i'll you can just you know stay in the car basically stay in the parking yeah. lot i won't be that long don't worry JD. it was boiling hot here in atlanta <laughs> but i turned that car off and i got out of that car and yes. i just stood by it and nice. i thought of you i thought of you now i will say jd when i saw her coming out of the store pushing the cart i was like okay now i'm gonna turn the car on <laughs> So the car was on for about 45 seconds wow. while we loaded the car. You're, you're a conscientious husband, and I like that about you. <laughs> yes, I'm That's such a great need. husband. I wouldn't go in to help with grocery shopping. That's why but, you need an electric car, Skeety, because you can yeah, turn on yeah. the climate while you're still in the shops, while you're going through the checkout, so that by the time you get in the car, it's beautiful and cool down. It's not turning the car on like it's not running gasoline. Wow. So, wow. You know. Still right. burning coal, Lee. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. it's not. Yeah, no. And, and you feel like James Bond a little bit too, or Michael Knight, really, depending on uh, which era you grew up in. But uh, it's it's pretty cool to bring out your phone and go, I'm just going to turn it on and have it nice and cool by the time I get in there. It's pretty badass. I'll give you that. All right. Are they still uh, not allowing you to bring in bags? you gotta, you got to use their bags? Yeah, you got to use paper bags, yeah, because they don't want, of course, you to bring in yeah your mm-hmm. own plastic bags that then the uh, cashiers and stuff like that have to touch and stuff like that. Yep. Got their, yeah. they, got, they got like that that strong at Trader Joe's. They got that that strong um, paper bag. Yeah. You know, it's got some integrity to it. Oh yeah, and they're compostable. You want a you want a left leaning show, JD. Mm. You can compost those bags. Yeah. Even though you got to take home all those all those bunch of bags. I'm sure Nora was dragging a bunch of bags in in that cart. <laughs> they can go back in the dirt. And they oh, can that's, come. Good. that's good to know. I mean, we've just been using them for recycling. You know, throw one, yeah. pop one under the. Uh, under the sink and then when it gets full take it out and Mm. it just goes right into the recycling so that works too yeah baby all right next one hello fellow rta alumni hello my mba question with all the talk of different playoff situations happening right now can you imagine if all 30 teams are able to fight for a chance at the larry ob imagine if golden state a team who is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs comes back with wiggins Draymond and Steph and actually makes a run for the title. I love the ordering of that. Wiggins, Draymond, and Steph. This (laughs) this person definitely uh, is Canadian. Um, It would almost be like Natalie or Chris returning from Edge of Extinction to win Survivor. If the Warriors get to the finals, would they have to give up immunity and make fire against Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers? (laughs) If they won, would you recognize them as the winner or would you be a bitter juror? Appreciate you guys podcasting. Love listening to it on my walks best. That's Jake from Jake from the Dirty Schwa. Yep, called it from Oshawa, Ontario. Is the Dirty Schwa a known nickname for Oshawa? Uh, I definitely heard it. I remember them saying it on radio a lot in Canada. Yeah, it's 
smaller town, but why is it dirty? I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's look at the who sent this in. Jay and Dirty. So JD, there's a there's a uh, there's a survivor reference in there. I think this oh. is a burner account. This is coming mm. from our own JD here. But this is this is a pretty fascinating question because of course the NBA we find out hopefully in the next day or so exactly what format they're going to use to restart if things go ahead. Yeah. And you know I just thought about it. Let's say things don't go quite as they plan and they decide okay let's just make a sort of an NCAA tournament type situation and put every team in it and seed the teams and, and let's just see what what happens because then it could be a fun still two or three week just crazy tournament and wouldn't it be awesome if something like the Warriors were to meet up at some point maybe in the finals against the Nets and KD was to come back as well and then you would have some sort of crazy sort of situation like that like again and we don't know exactly how things are going to look and how we're going to review this season once it's over but if you were to have some sort of crazy you know format at the end that does create this excitement I think that could be good for the league you know, I think it could be good because people just go, well, that was fun. It was different. You know, we're not going to really count it the same way we do as, a, as an NBA final uh, winner traditionally. But yeah. at least it was a fun, different, exciting tournament that gave us some crazy matchups. And again, if it's, say, a single elimination or, or whatever format they use, wouldn't it be awesome to see one game, Steph and the Warriors versus KD and the Nets? I mean, that I, I guarantee that would be a massive, massive boost for ratings. And people would love to watch it. So, you know, I, I, I'd be interested in seeing something like that happen anyway. Why don't we why don't we just lean in into the survivor angle of this email? Why don't we just get one representative from each team <laughs> and have a, a survivor season with NBA players? Um, and uh, you know maybe it just happens in Disney World and we fly Jeff Probst in there and uh, or maybe like Ahmad Rashad is the Jeff Probst or something like that and we just play Survivor and it would be fun to see who gets picked from each team and like. Is there alliances between the Eastern and Western Conference teams, and uh, who you know who uh, who blindsides who? It'd be fascinating. I'd watch the hell out of that. Oh, yeah. More excited about that than maybe watching basketball. <laughs> NBA players survivor. Jeez. But um, yeah, what do the other guys think? Uh, it's not going to happen that we have the 30-team play-in tournament, but if it did, I like to imagine that I would not be a bitter juror with regards to the Warriors winning a championship. You know, I would just say they would have to forfeit their pick. Like, if you know, if for some reason the league ah. decides, yeah, we are doing all 30 teams, but whoever wins the championship, you get the 30th pick. I mean, at that point, you would be looking at a Warriors team that has three All-Stars back. They had just traded for Wiggins. And they're the NBA champions. Uh, why would you need to have the very first pick or a top five pick? There would just have to be trade-offs for sure. I, I could see Draymond Green thinking that Adam Silver's podium had an idol on it, and he would run over and try and take it <laughs> off the podium. Oh, uh, uh, that's a draft pick. I guess not an idol. A draft pick. Grabbing a draft pick. I think players would make for good jurors, though. I think they'd be pretty unbiased. Like if if those guys get eliminated and they're sitting over there. I think once they're out of the battle, I think they can respect, you know, the best of the best and all that. Uh, I don't think they'd be biased. Yeah, I don't like what you were saying, Trey. It doesn't, from from all reports, it seems very, very unlikely if there's been one thing sort of crossed out to what they're going to be doing here. And again, maybe we find out tomorrow after the Board of Governors meeting. It is that all 30 teams are coming back. Like, we're just not doing that. So... Sorry, Golden State isn't going to have a chance to win this uh, this you know 2020 title here. Um, it looks like it's going to be either the 22 teams, maybe the 20 teams, and maybe even still possibly just to the playoff teams. But yeah, I don't think we're getting all 30 back. So 
Steph no. can't and win as, another, another chip. Sorry to cut you off there, Skeets. As we're recording this, Shams should have already posted. This is uh, info from inside the athletic world. He should have already posted what he believes the NBA Board of Governors will be uh, presented with on Thursday, the the entire you know, basic premise of everything. So head on over to The Athletic. You should be able okay. to, to read that now, I assume. Next one here. Ayo, dinkies. If the NBA does come back this season with obviously no fans, should they replace the chairs from the front rows with mattresses and soft landing spots? Maybe a pool that circles the court moat style? Imagine the amazing saved balls these players could pull off without having to worry about crushing a small child on the sidelines. We could even grade them like a diving competition and hope someone does a sea ball save since this would be in the middle of sea ball season. Turnip, loathe goodbyes, olives. That's from Mickey B in South Florida. Ah, wish it was Mickey A, Mickey Harrison in South Florida. <laughs> uh, Skeets, what do you think? Should they uh, throw some mattresses, some soft stuff around the court? Well, well yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let Trey talk to the uh, talk about the moat and the sea balls and all that, but... I, I think I would go one level higher than just mattresses. Um, let's just go sort of trampolines that are like on an angle. Like let's really sort of incorporate slam ball in a unique way. And so like you could dive, but then you would hit the trampoline and like bounce right back into play. Like these guys could do that no problem. Um, so I, I, I like the idea, like where you're thinking here, might get some crazy save balls. How many save balls like... Straight up diving into the stands, do you think we get, though? <laughs> Man, that's week? a great question. Like, how many? We don't have a, a great uh, stand diver in the league right now, I don't think. You know, Rodman was a great stand diver in his time. Shaq has some classic moments. Yeah. I feel like the most recent was maybe uh, Manu Ginobili. Like, he was always doing very artistic saves, I feel like. Uh, but right now, who is the preeminent <sighs> crowd Kyle diver? Kyle Lowry's got a few, hasn't okay. he? Lowry, okay, yeah. that's not bad. Yeah, mm. yeah. Marcus yeah. Smart. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, I can't remember him really crashing into fans, but he's had some where he's definitely will like put his body on the line to save. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I wonder if we get more in the playoffs per game, just because, like Lee said, Kyle Lowry. That one was from the he had one in the finals there where right. he had the interaction yeah. with the Warriors uh, minority owner. Just because players are putting it on the line, but that's true. We don't have a John Schumann stat. It's not part of the, <laughs> yeah. the hustle stats on NBA.com. There can't be many. I don't think there's many. Like, in a week of NBA regular season play, I don't know. Like, it feels like there's maybe two max. Like, I don't don't even know what's that many. That's what we're going to have to start tracking. They'll put it to the database. Floor burns. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder if games, how much are games going to change just from not having courtside fans right next to you, right? The court is going to obviously be the same dimensions that these players are used to. But it's going to feel different not having 100 people lining the courts standing right behind you when you're doing an inbounds. You know, Tass has for a long time uh, argued that the court should be a little bit wider because it's really narrow down in the corner for these guys to fit their big feet. Uh, is it going to be super chill for them in the corners right now, you know, with nobody there heckling them, with no, uh, with no fans, you know, doing their best to distract them from being able to shoot? I would imagine it'll feel a little bit different. Does it make it easier? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder, it probably just takes a little bit of getting used to you. It's sort of like being too wide open on a shot. It'll be like, <laughs> there's no pressure from behind. There's nobody there. Yeah. They, they might actually instinct instinctively like think about it for a quick second, but they probably, they'll get used to it, of course. But 
there'll still be camera people there, right? True. In in the front yeah. rows, like and the other teams the, by and stuff. Yeah, there will be. Court. You you would think there will be people there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But not a ton. Also, yeah. like, what effect will this have on free throw shooting, Lee? Like, it, mm. like hurt it? Help it? I mean, it should in help. general, with like, it's going to be different. I know these guys yeah. are used to shooting in these giant arenas with no fans too, of course, in warm ups and stuff like that in practice, but. It is a different sort of a. It plays probably with your depth perception a little bit, and then the free throws. Like if there's no fans heckling you at the yeah. line, did will we find out if that had actually any impact at all? If they shoot exactly the same, or will they all shoot 100 percent with no pressure? Well, that, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think they'll improve because I think that's a huge part of it is the crowd, you know, oh. the crowd intimidation and the crowd pressure in, in, in crucial moments. Um, but it, but couldn't you say the of, opposite could happen? Like that weird, like like the guys were just saying, like. It's sort of that silence could have an effect on you. I, I mean, like, like we we all know that even the worst free throw shooters, like Dwight, when he's in warmups, is like eighty percent from Splashing the line. Them. Yeah, so I, I I think they'll they'll move towards a figure like that rather than away from it. I don't think it would be harder with less people there. I I, I think it would improve. But then I guess maybe the other teams, the opponents, can be heckling you as well, and you're gonna yeah. hear all that. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see just how that one works out. But um, actually, you know, uh, Trey, so they're talking about, you know, the NBA season uh, possibly resuming. What about Seaball season? Any word, any indication where we might get our first Seaball for the year? Uh, the girls are trying to convince me to do a cannonball into our pool that's a foot and a half deep, but <laughs> I feel a little hesitantly. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> that would be hilarious to see, though. I think there's something there. It would be hilarious <laughs> when you uh, you jump into the pool that is on your porch, go straight through the porch right into your uh, bedroom below. Well, we did just rearrange the bedroom, so it would be a perfect <laughs> shot right into bed. Good night. Seem <laughs> all asleep. Uh, I'll just say, though, talking about players diving into the stands and, and Kyle Lowry coming or jumping into the stands comes to mind. Seats are the absolute worst case scenario for an athlete they'd rather have a body there to yeah. cushion some of the blow yeah. right it's a good point will we get a uh, an injury because uh mm. kyle lowry hits the the corner hand rest with his shoulder i mean i think you want you want more fans you want the bigger the fans the better you see the rock sitting there you're diving after <laughs> a ball because he's cushioning the whole thing yeah that's a great point you're gonna probably be more likely to jump into it's like it's like uh if I was uh, stage diving to Staggered Crossing at a Grand Bend uh, concert, um, I would want to jump into people, not jump into just a bunch of empty chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm an ECW wrestler. Right, that's professional wrestling if you're yeah. near the other. Yeah, that's a great point. I, we'll, we'll see. Maybe they will have, maybe they'll Maybe they'll put up some sort of like barrier or something, like foam barrier. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, those, those Korean sex dolls that aren't sex dolls. <laughs> Just get a bunch of sex dolls out there. Catch your fall. All right, next one here. Greetings, nah, dunks. Like most NBA nerds, I love me some good rabbit holes about the game we love and cherish. Anyways, I was looking up players with NBA Finals appearances, but no championships. Sam Perkins played in the 91, 96, and 2000 NBA Finals with the Lakers, Sonics, and Pacers. Eric Snow played in the 96... 01 and 07 finals, but no chip. My question is, what are some of your favorite or most memorable role players who, in a sense, ring chased, but never got the coveted Larry OB? I love how we just call it Larry OB now. Uh, Appreciate you guys doing the most during the pandemic. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That's from Anthony R. 
Well, um, it's got to be Mike Bibby for me. He's chasing Whoa. it. He's chasing it. In the 2011 finals, he was the, uh, the Miami Heat's starting point guard for most of it until they decided, you know what, let's bring in Mario Chalmers. Let's take care of business here. No, I just, I just joke about Mike Bibby. Uh, this is tough because, like the emailer wrote, you kind of have to go back. Uh, because mm-hmm. in the 2010s, the Cavs and Warriors both got one, and they both controlled a lot of the decade. You know, to the latter half and the first half, it was the Heat and Spurs, and they both got one. So there's not a lot of guys on those teams that didn't get one other than Mike Bibby. Uh, but um, I would go back uh, to Antonio McDice. I was a big Antonio McDice fan. He was uh, drafted in 95, second overall, that draft in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, when the Raptors were born. <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was finding his way in his sixth year, made his first All-Star game, and then he got hurt hurt his knee and he became a role player Uh, and he joined the Pistons the year after the Pistons won the championship and he went to the finals with them and they lost to the Spurs and then he joined the Spurs trying to find his way and that didn't happen so I was a McDice fan only one finals appearance I do believe if I did the uh, the research right Um, but I find it hard to find guys who had multiple finals appearances unless you guys have some that that didn't end up winning Lee, you're the encyclopedia of basketball <laughs> knowledge here. What do you got, man? Well, I mean, Tracy McGrady, of course, was famous for never making it out of the first round of the playoffs when he was a star, and he joined the Spurs in 2013 You know, as a role player. He was only 33 then. It felt like he was a lot older than that, yeah. but of course, he's been around the league a long time. And uh, game six with 28 seconds to go, I think he probably thought he was going to get a championship. Uh, and then, of course, Ray Allen hits the shot and, the, and then the, uh, the, the Spurs lose in seven to the Heat. But, I mean, I'm not saying this in any way a derogatory way either for, for Tracy McGrady. I mean, you know, a lot of guys, they're stars. They can't quite find it in, in one particular team, whatever. And then they get towards a, a later stage of their career and they're prepared to accept a lesser role to try to taste that glory. I mean, a lot of guys have done it. I think probably the most famous one, though, is Carl Malone joining the Lakers in 2004. He said he'd never join the Lakers, but uh, he came close a couple of times with the Jazz in the finals and then went to the Lakers with the supposed super team. Mm-hmm. And they were, uh, you know, they had home court advantage too against the Pistons and Carl Malone got injured, I think, about game two or three of that series and, uh, and never, got a, never got his ring. And he's a player who, love him or hate him, certainly he deserved a ring in terms of what he contributed to the game and, uh, and his, um, you know, his, his impact on the game. But just wasn't to be for him so you know there's a few guys like that and uh, I remember Jose Calderon our own our own uh, Jose when he was on the Cavs just a couple of years ago and how happy he was to make the finals and he got swept so um, you know there's a few guys there that have uh, been there but I couldn't find a guy who's sort of joined multiple teams other than um, uh, than the than the email that wrote in there as well Perkins um, and Snow yeah yeah, yeah I mean I Perkins sort of. I, I, I wouldn't say Perkins even ring chased himself either no. I mean he was on no. the Lakers you know he was a good player on the Lakers he was a good player on the Sonics and, and the Pacers it was obviously the end of his career there so um, you know you, you made me think of the Anderson Verjao uh, situation there. He didn't ring chase by any means, but no, he was with no. a Cav his whole life and then got traded right before they won the championship and then tried to join the Warriors and then they lost the championship. And yeah. he, he didn't end up getting one, I don't think. No, he um, was the opposite. He was on the, the losing team the losing each time. Twice. Yeah. yeah, or squad or whatever, yeah. I would add uh, an older role player like you guys are saying, sometimes you got to go back to find him. Kurt Thomas is a good one to me. You know, he was mixing it up with Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman as a rookie for the Miami Heat in 1996. 
Uh, he was a hallmark of the late 90s Knicks teams, you know, bringing the defense, the toughness, and a sweet, sweet mid-range jumper. And then he shows up on the Bulls in 2010-11. He gets nicknamed Big Sexy. You would think this guy is doing so much out there. He started... Uh, a few mon- a few games, but, um, you know, four points and five rebounds. He's not putting up huge numbers, but uh, he had an altercation with Tyler Hansbro earlier in the playoffs. I remember that. Uh, but, yeah, Kurt Thomas is a guy that you look at his basketball reference page, and I don't think you would remember that he played for as many as the teams as he did. You remember Kurt Thomas as a trailblazer, as a buck? As a San Antonio Spur, maybe not, except for the drama with those trades. I, I remember the, the Spurs leaving and coming back, that whole thing. But Kurt Thomas uh, was a fun guy to root for when he was on your team and a fun guy to root against if he wasn't. Right. The, the OG Bobby Portis. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Thomas. Love that guy. Uh, and I, I went through uh, the, the Tracy McGrady run in the 2013 playoffs. As he joined the Spurs, as Lee mentioned. I think a lot of people wouldn't even realize that he was on the team because he just played some garbage minutes. And I, I per, uh, definitely want to forget that he was part of those teams because he played garbage minutes in six games and he didn't score a point. Gross. Um, so that was, a, that was a weird part of T-Mac's career there. It would have been weird to see him get a ring. It's sort of like the Mitch Richmond thing at the end yeah. of his career. Yeah. All right, next one here. From friend of the program, Rhino Sets. What's up, Rhino? We got a fantasy question. <laughs> we got to be a friend of the program to get in a fantasy question. Yeah. Uh, I'm in a keeper fantasy league and have to keep two of these three players. The Blazers, Yusuf Nurkic. The Hornets, Devontae Graham. And the Bulls, Kobe White. Their salaries are the exact same. I can keep them for five seasons and their ceiling is kind of important. So... Who do you keep? Nurkic, Graham, and Kobe White. I'll hang up and listen. Shout out to the 308 Mafia. Oh my goodness, he got a shout out to his fantasy team name. <laughs> Rhino oh, that, oh, that's his team name. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know what that reference was. I thought it was, I was like, is that Mrs. Saga's like area code or something? The, the dirty sog? No. Didn't know um, what that was. <laughs> I can't believe Drake. we've moved from who says no to who do you keep? This yeah. is these are dire times right now. Um, to the me, who Kobe says White. No, the, the who says no uh, potential ones this week were too bad to even include. I wasn't <laughs> going to include it, just to throw it in the trash. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> substituted for a fantasy. Here who we go. Who do you keep? Who do you keep? Uh, it's a whole podcast series. Who do you keep? Uh, for me, Kobe White, the only lock. He's 20 years old and he's yeah. talented. He's five years younger than Devonte Graham, despite being. In a rookie in Devontae Graham is all, is just in his second year. Uh, Kobe had a huge role for the Bulls. He was second in shots as a rookie. You would imagine that over the course of the next five seasons, his playmaking should improve and hopefully his coaching improves. Do you guys agree Kobe White a lock here? Yeah, he's a lock. Yeah, it was down to him or Devontae Graham, I think, just because of the injury concerns with Nurkic. I think if he comes back, he can be a fantastic player. But from what we saw from Kobe White this season, he had some pretty interesting games. He hit eight eight threes, and you know he's a gunner. He's got a bit of a J.R. Smith into him, but I think he could be a better J.R. Smith if he sort of keeps on the trajectory. Devontae Graham started off the season really well too, but sort of cooled off a little bit. So, um, you know, they're probably going to have similar type of careers, but I, I would pick Kobe White in this scenario. I don't think he's a lock, Trey, but you finish off and I'll go after you. Well, I got Kobe as a lock. So then, like you guys are saying, it kind of comes down to Nurkic versus Graham. You know, they're both 25. 
crazy to me that Yusuf Nurkic is only six months older than Devontae Graham, despite the experience that Nurkic has. Nurkic is the best player of these three when he's totally healthy, playing at the peak of his powers. You know, he uh, is able to sort of captain a defense. He might not be the most athletic guy out there, and he might not be a guy who's going to pile up huge block numbers, but he knows where to be, and he knows how to just control a defense is what it feels like, can make some plays offensively, and obviously hit the glass and score a couple of buckets as well. But he's also a huge guy coming off a broken leg, and he hasn't played since March of 2019. He was ready to come back to the Trailblazers before the season was shut down. So, you know, that's that's certainly a concern. A, a huge guy coming off a nasty injury, considering he's also had a broken other leg uh, earlier in his career as well. But Devontae Graham, they're basically the same age. He's in his prime right now. He's got one season under his under his belt where he was a quality NBA player. How does he sustain it? How does he improve it? Do you really need uh, two young point guards? Rhino Settons? Think about it. Do you? Do you need two J.E. No. Skeets out there? I don't think so. I'm going <laughs> Nurkic and Kobe Lo- and Kobe White. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't have much else to add. I think it's a... Uh... I like Devontae Graham, but I'm taking easily Kobe White over him. And like Trey said, the similarities, I'm going to take just one of them for playing fantasy. And uh, yeah, you're, 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 you're hoping Nurkic comes back um, healthy. But man, if he, if he is, that guy's like, without looking it up, I think that guy's like a 15-10 type of guy, 16-10, and he passes the ball. And he gets you some, uh, some little defensive numbers, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I, I go uh, Nurk and Kobe White, Tess. Yeah, I'd, I'd lock in Nurk uh, because he's definitely the best player of the three. Totally understandable, the injury concerns, but I think if, if you've got a keeper league here, you want something that's, a, that's solid, and uh, they're probably all fairly cheap. You can just, you know, if, if Nurkic does get hurt, try and find another f- a fine there deep in the, in the uh, waiver wire, as they Get you call a Zach it. Collins if you can't have a Yusuf Nurkic. Sure, pick him up. Zach Holland's probably available. So, uh, but for me, I, I think you know, it, stats is is all this fantasy thing is about. Devontae Graham put up great stats, and I think in Charlotte, he's going to have an opportunity. I, it's important to have guys on bad teams, and uh, you know, he even though he did slow down, he still scored eighteen per game. He still had seven and a half assists. Those are big numbers. He played against starters and while Kobe White played against uh, bench units a lot of the time. And listen, Rhino, I don't understand why you're even emailing this in if you're just going to pick if you're going to pick the guy who's at the, you know, uh, the better draft pick in Kobe White instead of a second rounder in Devontae Graham, then why are you even a fantasy GM? It's not fun to, for me to just take the better pick. It's, like who cares? I, let's have some fun. Dip with the guy who's a second-round pick, put up better numbers, and Kobe White's peak probably better than Devontae Graham's, uh, but steady numbers over the next five years. I think Devontae Graham's might be better if he's playing with the Charlotte Hornets. Hey, he could fall off big time too, um, but uh, I believe in him. I believe in that second-round uh, uh, status was, uh, you know, maybe maybe he was just he just didn't have the opportunity. He's old, so Kobe White probably will, you know, has the opportunity as you guys mentioned, but. I'd give him a shot just because it's not fun to take Kobe White mainly. In, in, in reading and answering this email, uh, I just realized why I never played in a keeper fantasy league. It's like it's giving me stress having to think of who's <laughs> going to be the better player five years from now. Oh my god! I mean, like, let's say I, I can barely focus on the on the week ahead, the month ahead, 
let alone five seasons from now. It's a lot of pressure. And it's like a lot of pressure to lock these guys in. And it's it's such a crapshoot. I mean, these are all three good players. They all get you some numbers. They're all going to, in theory, get you better numbers than they even have now. But, yeah, who knows? Who knows, man? It's, you know what? I say this. Don't take any of it our, our advice. Just slip a coin. Let fate decide it. Just mm. flip a coin. You can do the classic. Just do Nurk Graham. Flip it. Who moves on? Okay, Kobe versus him. Okay. I guess he gets to keep two of them, doesn't he? So get rid of one. So let fate decide it for you, Rhino. Put it in fate's <laughs> hands, man. Oh, Rhino's a bowler. Maybe he can have one frame um, for all three guys. Three balls. If he gets two strikes with for that represents two of them, keep them. That doesn't really make sense because it would move on to the next frame. <laughs> but either way... Good luck, Rhino. Good luck, man. Okay, yeah, write us back in five years. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Next one. Ayo. Spikeball season is in full swing, fellas. So which NBA player would you most like to team up with and why? I'm taking John ja Morant. He's a willing passer. Seems like an easy guy to get along with. And you know you're going to get some highlight plays. So who you got? Turn up. Love you guys. That's from Jonah all the way up in Jasper. Beautiful Jasper, Albert. Alberta, excuse me, Canada. Um, I love the John Morant pick. This is a good pick to uh, have, have as a spike ball teammate. He's obviously super young, springy. He's going to get everywhere. I, I could see the highlights. Uh, and he is a willing passer, very important in spike ball. So I like it, and I actually would probably echo that, uh, that pick. But you got to throw some love, I think, for Giannis too. Just the, just the ground he could cover is just unbelievable. He's going to keep every single ball alive, no matter how far back it is off the net, uh, with the reach that he has and still being fairly explosive at his height. So, you know, you could go, you could think like a Rudy's going to be great because he's, he's got the crazy wingspan, but he's not going to be as quick as Giannis. So I'll throw some love to Giannis, but I love the John Moran pick too. Anyone else have a spike ball NBA partner? What about your friend uh, De'Aaron Fox? He's pretty quick. He'd get to Very everything, quick. wouldn't he? You know, very wouldn't, quick, wouldn't very that help? Quick. I'm not a big spike ball guy, so I don't really know, you know, the strengths you need here. But I'm just thinking you've got to cover ground pretty quickly. I think De'Aaron Fox would be a pretty nice little uh, teammate to have. Yeah, he would. Honestly, big in spike ball is touch. So maybe like Steph Curry or somebody too. Mm. Like Maybe I'm getting a little too caught up in the body type. You're right. Like having mm. touch with that little pass. I mean, you got uh, Tass knows for sure. Trey knows. We've played before. Just getting that little pass, you know, that right weight on the pass to set up your teammate for the for the spike is uh, just as important as covering a lot of ground. That's a good point. That's, That's good what point. I would be concerned with with Giannis. Not necessarily the touch, but also, you know, he's like seven feet tall. That's a long way to bend down to get towards the spike ball net. <laughs> I'm going true. with Mike Conley. After seeing how skilled he is with both hands and horse, Ooh. he is like so much more skilled with both of his hands than any other player in the league it feels like that I'm going to give him a a whole lot of credit just for being able to shoot during a shooting competition but like you see Zach Levine go out there he's obviously shot a million left-handed jump shots in his life and it still looks like he's trying to shoot a left-handed jump shot where if Mike Conley shoots right-handed it looks the exact same you know he's smaller he's quick and his ability to use both of his hands I think he's getting to every ball and he's putting it right on the money every time not to mention, every teammate seems to love this guy. And he just fills in the gaps, basically, as a basketball player. So he's going to let you shine out there. I think I would love playing spike ball with Mike Conley. That's spike and Mike. That's a good pick because, yeah, when we play spike ball with each other, you're always, like, talking to your teammate, like, hey, man, what, where do you want it, right? Like, because you got to worry about their dominant hand. Like, Taz, where do you want it, man? Like, okay, yeah, you want it there, okay. But, yeah, Conley, in theory, you wouldn't have to ever worry about that. 
could be like, doesn't matter. Just put it close to the net. Just I'll keep hit it, it with up. either hand. Yeah. Great pick. Mike Conley, an absolute gem of a pick. I didn't think of that one whatsoever. Both hands really important. I love the John Morant pick. I, I also love a, a smaller guy like Conley or Morant. I, you know, Giannis is great because he'd get to everything, but I also worry that he'd take my shine. Like, he, he'd just be reaching over and grabbing my shots uh, at times, you know, because he could get to absolutely everything. So I want a smaller guy. I want a giver. Uh, I can't I can't dispute those. I, I like both of those guys. And Morant, like, you know, especially doesn't want to take all the shots. Either does Conley, and he's great. Conley, great teammate, as, as you said there, Trey. First year playing with Boyan Bogdanovich, and he pronounces his name per- correctly. So if I was his teammate, he'd never call me Tas Malas or anything <laughs> to that. Like, he knows how to say Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, which is pretty cool. So good picks there. I'll uh, give you a quick update on my spike ball net. I don't know if you remember. Uh, must have been weeks ago now. But I brought up how my net was fraying. And I was like, ah, that sucks. Like, I don't know. I got to get a new one, I guess. And uh, some kind No Dunks fan did write in. Off the top of my head, I think your name was Jeff. (laughs) So I'm going to call you Jeff. Jeff, thank you for emailing in because you let me know if like, hey, all you got to do is take a photo of it and send it to Spikeball and they'll they'll send you a replacement net for no cost. I was like, damn, all right. He sent me the, the link to get to it and everything. I did it. Took a photo. Look at this. Things fraying. Come on. And, uh... Spike ball coming through. They sent it in like a, a week later. And so I've got a new net um, that has yet to be played on. So uh, so thank you, Jeff. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, about Jeff. That. Sorry about that time you tried to do a backflip with a Suns jersey and <laughs> fell on your head. <laughs> There's an old reference. There. You're right. It was Jeff. You're totally right because uh, I see the email here. You replied, yes, Jeff, with a uh, bicep curl emoji. Strong, strong, strong. Oh, I'm actually, I'm very proud of myself for pulling that name out of my ass. I'm really bad at that usually. All right, thanks, Jeff. Jeff G. He's a real G, real spike ball G. Next email here. Hello, people whose conversation I listen to instead of making my own. This is 14-year-old Tomas from Lombard, Illinois, but I currently reside in Lima, Peru. I'm a huge Bulls and soccer fan, but I'll get to the question. When you guys asked us to vote for you in the Webby Awards... I went to the website, but when I tried to vote, it asked me to log in or sign up. Sometimes I'm not comfortable signing up, so I decided not to, even though I love you guys and have followed you for two and a half years. Now I realize that this was a mistake. I've noticed that I have signed up for stuff and that it's totally fine. It's not like Webby Awards are going to hack me anyway. Now, I don't exactly feel guilty because I've definitely done way worse things, but I do feel kind of bummed about it. I can't really celebrate your victory because I didn't do anything to make it happen. I now vow to vote for you guys in any upcoming awards if it's the last thing I do with my email account. <laughs> and it's funny because we did have some friends who who came out after we won and said the same thing and said, it was too hard to log in there. I'm really sorry. I'm ashamed to say this now, but I never voted for you guys. <laughs> no, no, no. We had our friend Marge who said... Oh, I'm glad you guys won the Webby Award because I realized I accidentally voted for somebody else in your category. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> she waited She waited until we won the award, though, to let us know right. that, uh, oh, yeah, I voted for CJ McCollum by accident. <laughs> That's amazing. Now for the question. When have you guys not done something and then realized that you probably should have and or could have done it? Did you follow up or just leave it alone? That's from Tomas. Lee, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's funny. I've talked about this one uh, a couple of times, I think. It's it's when I was a kid and I, I wanted to be an exchange student uh, and come to America. And I thought about it, but I just never really had the balls to go through with it. And I wonder, I, I don't know why I've been thinking about it a lot lately, but it's just been on my mind. And I wonder if, you know, given how easy it is to communicate these days with Skype and FaceTime and WhatsApp and all that, if I would have done it now, if I was like the 14 or 15 year old kid, because, you know, back then it wouldn't have been like I would have been talking to mum and dad on the phone regularly. It would have been probably once every few weeks and would have been writing letters and stuff. So it would have been tough. But I wonder if now I would have been able to do it because it's so much easier mm. to stay in touch with people. And um, I don't know. I don't know why I've been thinking about it, but I'm just like, man, I wish I had done that. I really wish I had done it. But I also remember when I did speak to the careers advisor, like, I was saying basically I wanted to go to Los Angeles because that was the closest city pretty much from Melbourne or San Francisco, I guess, um, or Chicago. And they were kind of like, well, you, you know, you can't just go to watch basketball. Like you'll be going to school, you'll be doing like what the kids in this, you know, kids in that city do. Like it's not like you're just there and you can just like, you'll be able to get tickets every night to a game and stuff. So, <laughs> But anyway, I just, I, it's one of those things now I, I really wish I had followed through with it and done it when I was like 15. It would have just been so much fun to do and so it's such a cool experience, but I never did. And uh, it's one thing I regret about my uh, upbringing. Yeah, my answer is definitely something I've addressed before in the podcast that I regret not having done. And that is uh, going to the 2010 um, Winter Olympics in Vancouver. I just, uh, I was an idiot. I, I love the Olympics. I had friends that lived there, could have crashed with them. Could have uh, really had a blast, and for some reason I didn't go. And I still, to this day, don't know really why I didn't go. There probably was really no reason. I mean, I guess outside of, like, you know, paying for a flight to get out there, um, being in Ontario at the time. But, uh, man, man, wish I was there, man. Wish I was there for the 2010 Olympics (laughs) in Canada. I truly mean that. That was a a big regret in my life. Uh, Yeah, for me, uh, something I could have done... it was going from the year 2015 to 2016. We had to do all these kind of insurance elections, but I thought it was just, uh, you know, you just, if you wait, it'll just roll over and you'll have the same elections you should. That was not the case this year, and my wife was pregnant. So how did I follow up? I couldn't, couldn't really do anything to change our insurance elections until... Ada was born circa July, and then you can make some life change things. But uh, that first six and a half months, those were stressful. Mm, sure. Having the wrong insurance, yeah. but uh, that's why we need universal health care people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll jump in with one that's far less serious. Uh, we had the great Isaiah Thomas on our show a couple years back when we were on the starters. We wanted to talk raps with Isaiah because he was the first GM of the Toronto Raptors when they were just baby dinos when they were born in, in 1995. And we asked him whether or not he thought Vince Carter's jersey should be hanging from the rafters in Toronto. And he said, well, first, they got to retire Damon Stoudemire, Marcus Camby, (laughs) Tracy McGrady. Oh, yeah, and Doug Christie. They should retire him. When Isaiah was GM of the Raptors, he drafted Damon Stoudemire. Then he drafted Trace McGrady. All right, he drafted uh, Marcus Camby. Then he drafted Trace McGrady. Made a good trade for Doug Christie. Got to be honest, great trade. But those dudes don't compare to Vince, and I didn't call him on it, and I regret that. <laughs> Definitely regret that because Damon, two and a half years as a Raptor. Canby, two years as a Raptor. And both of them shot through too, didn't they? Like they, they, they wanted to leave. They wanted out of there. Did Canby want out when he got traded for Oakley? Maybe. I'm I don't pretty know. pretty sure he did, yeah. 
Yeah, Damon said, I'm getting the heck out of here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm done here. That's for well, sure. Well, Vince did too, I suppose. In the, in, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he wanted his guys in first. And uh, Doug Christie, great guy to have on your team. The Kings loved having him on, on their team. They love having him on the broadcast right now. But retire a jersey of, <laughs> no. of Dougie Christie? So what? So why didn't we say anything? Why, would, why didn't you say anything? Just like you know, it's it, you're being it's a guest on your program, right? You know, you. Oh yeah, just, just being a wuss, really. Yeah. Yep. Just not just not asking the, the tough questions, and it's a jersey retirement. I guess it's not it's not the most serious of things. You can retire whoever you want, um, but yeah. Yeah, Damon pushed his way out of there. Uh, can be two seasons. Can you retire a jersey? Is it legal to retire a jersey? That's a guy who's been there for two seasons. I guess the Raptors want to retire Kawhi's one-season jersey, but I don't think Canby won a championship with the Toronto Raptors. Anyways, you should you should go and check out. Zeke was uh, interviewed for an article for uh, Marcus Thompson wrote about Jalen Brown coming down to Atlanta in, in the protests, and, and you learned some new things about Zeke. And, and So check that out on The Athletic. That was a good read. We got a lot more questions still to tackle here, but before we do, a quick word from our sponsors. I learned a new homeowner term the other day hardscaping. Yeah, hardscaping. It's the man made features used in landscape architecture, you know, the stones and the walls and things like that, as opposed to the actual plants usually associated with landscaping. Hardscaping is much tougher to change. That's true of our bodies as well. The hardscaping is the tough part, but the manscaping is easy thanks to Manscaped.com. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down under. Watch your pinch post. Manscaped has forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0 water-resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. If you subscribe to the Peak Hygiene Plan, you'll get a new replacement blade refill for your Lawn Mower trimmer delivered to your door every three days, ensuring your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code the athletic at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code the athletic people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major u.s cities basically a month if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction you want treatment asap that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash nodunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash nodunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
Next one. Dear, no dinks, no dumps, and definitely no dunks. Skeets talking about his new rain shower head reminded me of Hamish and Andy, an Australian comedy duo, podcasters, running gag of losing touch with the common man. When either of them brings up a new luxury in their life, the other calls them out for losing touch with the common man. I don't know much about rain shower heads. They might be cheap. Maybe I'm losing touch. But nevertheless, it sounds fancy. And I call out skeets for losing touch with the common man. Oh, man. That being said, when have you either caught yourself or caught one of the crew for losing touch with the common man? How many times can he write common man in this email? Turn up. Love you guys. Mellow. Yeah, let's hear it. Mellow. Nice. Alex from Wellington, New Zealand. Um... First off, uh, Trey, before you answer, Lee, you've heard of this podcast, this comedy duo? Yeah, they used to be a radio duo. Now I think they've just moved into podcasts. I don't gotcha. know them all that well, but I know they are pretty pretty popular within Australia. Okay. Okay. So they got this running gag here where uh, you get something nice in your life. You're, you're losing touch. Trey, does, uh, anything come to mind? Well, apparently Australian podcasters are notorious for this because just last week on the Beach Steppin' Podcast... Lee Ellis was complaining that he was too busy working and flying to the NBA Finals to get James Worthy's autograph. And here's the crazy part. I went back and listened to it. He wanted to get the autograph, not because he's been a James Worthy fan for 35 years. He said, I want to do it to get a good gram. Lee, <laughs> when did you become an influencer? Uh, Mo Verney's rubbing off on me, guys. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, look, I used to own a pair of New Balances back in the day. I had two posters. I just wanted it. And then I wanted to put it on the gram. I mean, that's that's how you celebrate in life these days, isn't it? You know, you share it with everybody. Um, yeah, but fair, fair. You know, I mean, I can't complain that there was a limo waiting for me to take me to the airport to drop me off to my flight that I didn't pay for, that I was then getting another limo to transport me to a five-star hotel in San Francisco of all places to watch basketball. <laughs> Couldn't get yeah. that grandma. Oh, I know, I know, I know. And I'll never get it. I'll never get it now. I mean, when am I going to see James Worthy? You know, although... You know, if the Lakers make the finals and I get to fly out there, I might just pack a couple of posters in my luggage and uh, and see if I can get him through them then. <laughs> Anyone else yeah. have, a, have an answer or you've you know caught yourself or somebody else for losing touch? Well, I've lost touch with the common man because I don't purchase common beers anymore. Like, I, I got no problem drinking a Miller Lite or drinking a, a Coors Light, drinking a Budweiser Lee. I got no problem doing that. <laughs> but that's but not about being that no, see that's not just like losing touch with a common man that's just a disgustingly awful beer don't waste your money on it i mean you're better off spending a little bit more on on something that's drinkable yeah see i like yeah i i i don't mind drinking an old bud but uh yeah when somebody comes over it and what i have in my fridge usually it's it's you know got a weird name and uh, I'm okay with that. I, I want a little different flavor palette for when I'm having a beer too. Uh, yeah, just just don't want a rag beer. Although it's totally fine, but uh, I like to change it up a little bit. So I've a lot. Sometimes people look at me when I hand them something. They're like, "What's this?" I gotta explain it instead of <laughs> you know just handing over your coors. So that's where I've lost it. All right, let's move on. Next one here. 
Hey, most skunks. I had an unsettling thought about the bizarro NBA games coming later this summer. Do you reckon there will be a ban on high fives? Since the players are tested each day, I assume there will be little risk of transmitting the virus, but I wonder if they'll attempt to curb the chest bumps and bum pats in order to model good pandemic behavior. Congrats on the well-deserved Webby. You guys are the best in the b-ball breeze shooting biz. Burnt crust, crumbly pies, toss them. That's from Adam. (laughs) People are are getting creative with the turn up, love you guys, awesome uh, send-off. Um... I loved this email because I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about this. But maybe this will be something they do sort of like try and not ban, but like to eliminate to sort to like to like Adam says to to show, you know, good pandemic behavior. I think it's possible, which would be really, really weird if if they do if or I mean, weird to the point, like, could you even take that out of? a player's sort of a repertoire for the back of mm. lack of a better word of like high-fiving each other like after a made free throw and coming back to the bench like that's just so ingrained uh in all of us that play basketball and to be like hey stop doing that would be just wild to see but maybe they talk about it i don't i i think it's unlikely because yeah they're in this bubble they're on this campus all together they're hopefully all testing and it's like it, it it's probably fine um Altogether, as long as you know people from the outside aren't coming in, and and, and the possibility of bringing the uh, the virus with them, but it's a food for thought. How did it, it's a wild concept that you know Steve Nash he would, he'd be screwed. He wouldn't be able to play yeah. in today's game. That guy high fived everybody on Once every the leagues in high play. fives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also so just when when you when you see a player get knocked down if he takes a charge or makes a great play, his teammates are rushing over to yeah. you know pick him up like. I find that because of such an emotional, responsive game like that, I find it hard that players are just going to ignore it. Right. You know, like like they're going to just feel naturally like you got to go and you know give your teammate props, and uh, so yeah, it's going to be very very tough for for players to not do that. I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there'll be any like you know tech fouls or anything like that called for it, but it's going to be. <laughs> No, but it's it's just you know I mean you, you that's how you support each other that's how you build camaraderie and chemistry on the with the unit is is a lot of um, interaction so it's going to be okay weird like to- like think about this will we just get rid of um, the captains coming together with the referees and shaking hands at the beginning of the game that happens every game. Yeah, well, they, they don't can do have it to from shake, their yeah. own sides of the court. They don't need to be close together with nobody screaming around them the entire time. They'll be able to just be talking a normal voice from a safe distance. <laughs> LeBron went on uh, Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry's pro- podcast at the end of the and the end of March and said, "I ain't high fiving nobody for the rest of my life after this. <laughs> no more high fiving after this Corona. Shit. Where do you see me and my teammates' handshakes after this? Shit? So uh. I don't know. Is he saying let's pretend like we're the Oakland A's in the '90s and let's bash? Only time will tell. But there's got to be something else out there because I don't know. I, it feels like." Feels like high fiving might not be what people want to do anymore. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, I get. I at least it, my mind immediately goes to LeBron doing the the twenty you know twenty step handshake with each guy right on the team like before mm-hmm. a game, and I would assume they're either going to eliminate that or probably do something fun where they are like socially distanced and doing like sort of the twenty step move or whatever. But I'm yeah, I mean like, actually within the game. Um, 
you know, big big guy cuts back door, LeBron finds him, and then it's like uh, AD's coming back, and it's just so natural to to dap each other up, to high five. It's like, I, I, yeah, maybe maybe they'll be conscious of it. I, I guess I'm. I don't think that's going to be the case because I just don't think you can t- take that out of a person's brain in a in the last couple of months. Maybe I'm wrong though. This is why Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles were visionaries. Yes. Don't high-five others. Knock your own head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mellow, too, I guess, to some extent. Although he's just he's sort of just always celebrating his own three-pointer, right? Mm-hmm. With, the, with, the, with the three to the sort of the head there. Hmm. Yeah. Don't some players uh, lick their fingers before they do a free throw and that sure. kind of stuff? Like, <laughs> is that going away, too? I mean, I guess it has to. I mean, it feels like this stuff is just built in, hardwired in their DNA to do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. I, I, like, just, just muscle memory. I, I can't see it not happening. I mean... Yeah, it, it, I hear what LeBron's saying at the end of March. We were all worried about touching each other's hands and and, and worried about that. But everybody's touching the ball, anyways. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. So we're all they're all transferring everything they got to each other. So, like, are they going to stop banging too? Are they going to start? Is it going to be a no contact sport? Like no body to body, no sweating allowed. You know, it's like <laughs> once they get into it, they're just going to go. There, there, there will be protocols, medical protocols in place. I think that are going to be different. And there's, sure. there's some in the in the Shram Sharanya article that's that's happening as we speak. Um, but but on the court, I don't. You can't. I don't think you can do anything. Guys will be tested daily, so I think it'll. I think maybe at the beginning, uh, maybe LeBron will have some handshakes, but uh, pregame. But I think it'll go back to normal. Yeah. Next one. Hey, no doinkers. I want to know, what's the weirdest reason you've ended up rooting for an NBA player? Mine was when I went on holiday to Disney and found out that Paul George was in the park at the same time as me. I don't know why, but ever since that day, I've rooted for him to do well. And no, I didn't get to meet him, even though I spent most of the day looking for him. Love you guys. Keep up the awesome work. That's from Chris all the way over in Yorkshire, England. Um... That's a weird reason. <laughs> I gotta admit, that's one of the weirder reasons I've ever seen to be a fan of a particular player. He just happened to be in the amusement park with me. But hey, do you, Chris? Um, Tass, you got a you got a weird reason you're, you ended up rooting for somebody? I don't have as good a story as Chris, but I got a great name, Quincy Doobie. <laughs> he was a first round pick by the Kings in 2006. He was the 19th pick, and uh, I started cheering for him mainly because. My buddy Grish, Skeet's, Skeet's main buddy, but our buddy Grish, I believe in a fantasy draft before he was drafted. So uh, before Quincy Doobie had ever stepped foot on an NBA court, Grish had gone into some almanac, whatever those almanacs were back then, and and saw the name Quincy Doobie uh, in, in, a, in a fantasy draft, um, you know, a mock draft type thing, and people were high on Quincy Doobie. My buddy Grish got so high on Quincy Doobie, he drafted him at the end of the draft in 2006 before he played a game. So then I became a Quincy Doobie fan, mainly because <laughs> of the name Quincy Doobie. How many Good times name. can Tasmel say Quincy Doobie in a matter of in, in a one minute span? Uh, I love saying it, and unfortunately, you know, he didn't really stick around the NBA that much, Kings, Raptors, but he has made a, a career um, overseas. Mr. Doobie uh, played in Montenegro so long that he's a naturalized Montenegrin, came back to the uh, G League and what? stuff. He was so skinny, that dude, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was a guard, but he was like 6'3, 175 pounds. He had, he had a cup of coffee with the Raps, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Quincy Doobie. <laughs> one Do you remember if uh, Grish kept him in the keeper league? Uh, <laughs> he still has him. <laughs> yeah. Just waiting for him to pop. Uh, we, yeah, we, we got uh, an email we... here from my buddy Grish. Who should I keep? Quincy Doobie, Devontae Graham. No, we, we decided, uh, we, we talked to our commissioner of the league and, and allows we allow the international stats that Quincy Doobie was racking up to count in our league for Grish. <laughs> Any other funny, uh, weird reasons you cheer for someone? Well, I guess I guess for me, uh, when I started playing fantasy basketball around 2001, uh, I grabbed Andre Kirilenko off the waivers one day because he uh, he had like five steals and five blocks in a game, and so that's always going to get you uh, you know in demand in fantasy leagues. And I grabbed him, and we went on a great run after that. Didn't win in the end, finished third or something, but Andre Kirilenko kind of turned my team around. And so I sort of was just always a fan of his ever since then, you know, and he made an all-star game. He was a good player, but uh, it really started for me just like, you know, just browsing the waiver wire one day, seeing a guy put up great stats. Yep, don't know much about him, but he'll do. And then it turned the team around. So, uh, you know, I was a fan of Andre Kirilenko's throughout his career. It's a good one. I guess similar for me to keep it in the fantasy world. I remember uh, uh, really becoming a fan of uh, Walter Hermann. Remember him? <laughs> the Argentinian Fabio, they called him, uh, with the long locks. He was just, uh, he had that, he had a really funny little weird stretch, too, in fantasy basketball where he was killing it. And he was uh, probably, uh, you know, turning some teams around in fantasy, fantasy leagues and maybe even getting them some upset wins because he just cranked it on there for a couple of weeks. Um, he lived he off like, that, he, too. He lived off that oh, little run totally, for so long. <laughs> totally, totally. But I remember him being good blog fodder as well, um, just yeah. because of his look and a bit of a character. Uh, wasn't around, you know, he wasn't in the league all that long. It was like four years or something like that. But uh, yeah, Walter Hermann, yeah. Yeah, mine's a little bit more like Chris's. I was kind of... Um, ambivalent about Mark Gasol early in his career until I saw a picture of him sitting on a couch at an anthropology entertaining his baby. And once I saw that, I was like, you guys are talking about fantasy basketball. This is my fantasy, sitting next to Mark Gasol, talking babies while, you know, we're smelling the delicious candles that are permeating the air there. I was like, if this guy can can suffer through an anthropology stuff, uh, shopping trip, then any of us can. <laughs> I remember when we interviewed him in uh, in New York. It was uh, 2015, and uh, I guess that was when he was having his first baby, right? And when when she was just born, and she brought yeah. uh, his wife and and daughter were up in the hotel room, and he had come down for the interview and was was beaming from ear to ear. Yeah, and you know now that I'm looking at this picture, it looks like it came May 2015. Looks like his baby's probably three months old. That must have been about uh, must be about right, Tassie. All right, next one here. What's good, New Danks? I am a 13-year-old in the San Francisco Bay Area. I first got into basketball by watching the 2014-15 Warriors. I'm a diehard Warriors fan, but Giannis Tetacumpo is my favorite player because my dad was born and raised in Greece. Yasuda Alex. Yeah, me too. Samesies. Here's my story slash question. I was at a Warriors game this season, and before the game, my family went to go get food. I already had my food, so I sat in my seat and watched the teams warm up. I see two of the arena workers looking at me all funny, and I just sit there like an idiot. Eventually, they see that I saw them, and one of them comes up to me and asks if I play basketball. I'm 6'5 in the 7th grade. I reply yes, because I do. 
They asked if I'd like to participate in a halftime skills competition like at All-Star Weekend. And I said, yes. They write down my seat number and say they'll come for me with one minute remaining in the first half. They come over, take me into the bowels of the stadium, and give me a ball to warm up with. Long story short, I lose the competition. The other dude gets a signed Steph Curry ball, and I end up with a consolation prize of a signed Steph Curry photograph. Crazy thing was, I didn't realize it was signed until I returned to my seat. In the walk back to my seat, I considered throwing it away because I didn't see the value in it. Question, what was something that you almost got rid of that ended up becoming valuable? Peace in basketball, Alex in the Bay Area. P.S. This is kind of the opposite of Tass's Vince Carter autograph story. That's totally true. <laughs> true. <laughs> Lee, you got an answer for this yeah, one? Yeah, it was two years ago, just before the All-Star game in Charlotte, and um, I was Googling something about the Hornets, and, and uh, it took me to a Larry Johnson Hornets jersey site and so i thought okay i'll check that out and i thought that'd be nice to rock around all-star weekend and when i got there they had all sorts of other jerseys there and they were like 20 bucks each or four for 50 bucks so i grabbed a larry johnson i got a rolando blackman mavs jersey of course akeem elijah one rockets and a xavier mcdaniel sonics classic <laughs> now i wore the johnson one uh, at all-star weekend um, and when i was in dallas last last year in december i wore the rolando blackman one but the elijah one and the xavier mcdaniel one hadn't been worn and they were just sitting there and i was like what am i going to do with these you know nothing really but then this pandemic happened and uh we've been in quarantine and i've been popping open packs of cards with some uh, guests and i had daryl Morey on from the rockets a couple of weeks ago so i had a great opportunity to put on my rockets uh, akeem elijah one jersey and then just last week after reaching out to Xavier McDaniel, I finally had a reason to wear my Xavier McDaniel Sonics jersey. And it was great. It was a hit. It was really comfortable. looked great. Got a few compliments on it. And uh, so now it's like I'm, they're keepers for good, for life. Because it's like, well, why would I throw them away now? I've, got, I've actually got a story to tell about, you know, the day I opened up a pack of basketball cards. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I believe you've lost touch with the common man, my oh. friend. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on You're hold usually on. so discerning with your T-shirt choices. How how in the world did you keep these on ice for two years? Uh, I mean, long it was. You know, that's that's the question. I, I just sort of bought them thinking I was going to rock them around. But then I'm like, you know, I'm a 40 plus year old man. Am I just going to wear a dude's t-shirt from the 80s and 90s? Yes, is the answer. Yes, I am. <laughs> but I love the concept of like, you're going to be 80 years old and someone's going to see that Xavier McDaniel shirt hanging in your closet. And you're like, oh yes, come here, sit down. Let me tell you about the time I got on Instagram Live. And I wore this shirt shirt and talk to the man himself yeah, i mean i well, guess i could see you doing well that. the thing was i actually had from a years earlier also from nba character t-shirts i bought an xavier mcdaniel sonics <laughs> character shirts so i had two i had two xavier mcdaniel t-shirts <laughs> popping packs so uh <laughs> oh man man are what you, a, um, did are you, you pause fa- the live stream to change halfway through <laughs> no, no, I had, I had, I had one that I was wearing, and then I had one in the background there where I, where I reveal the cards to see it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, are you a fan of the jersey? Yes, the I am jersey? now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's cool. You know. I think. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to get a few more now. <laughs> I was gonna say, who do you, who do you have uh, sort of circled that you're uh, looking into getting? Uh, well, the Allen Iverson black sixes one is a great jersey. I like that. And also the Penny Hardaway uh, magic black one as well. That's also a great one. But, you know, nice. four for 50 bucks. So I'm going to have to get a couple others out there too. <laughs> Maybe an Alonzo morning red heat one. That'd be a pretty cool one to rock. Wow. Uh, right. Spreewell, Spreewell Warriors maybe, you know. I don't know. Okay, know. these are all great. Yeah. If, yeah. if you guys uh, have uh, other suggestions for Lili, uh, let us yeah. know. No dunks on 
And uh, while we're on it, got another all-star lineup for Thursday's uh, pop and pack. Should be a good one. Should wow. be a good one. Yeah. Okay. Great. Was it? You've been so on was fire. It, was it? The, was it the huge one you were thinking you were going to get, or, or somebody else? Uh, no. This. Um, I've got. I oh, know the, the big. The, the big big. Oh, this guy's a big name. I mean, he was a big name. He didn't quite have the NBA career that he was uh, hoped to have when he was drafted. High draft pick. You know, good career. Good career. But um, you know, and yeah, an only a one time. Only a one time All Star. You probably would have thought he's going to make a couple more. But uh, Ooh, should be. I have a, an should idea. Be, I have an idea who it is. It should be a fun one. Wow. If that's. Oh, yeah. I just checked on Basketball Reference. One-time All-Star, who I think it is. Oh, this is... I, I, I'm very excited if I'm right Okay. Here. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. Slack me. Slack me and just see who it is. All right. All right. Well, the, well let, let me just put it this way. Does it rhyme with Penny? Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. Well, hey, tune in Thursday. Pop and packs. Lee's got another All-Star on. Should be good. All right. Our final one. Hey, No Dunks guys, in this week's episode of Say What, you guys seemed puzzled as to why Michael Cage was talking about wearing a big bird banana shirt while refing kids soccer. This is what the refs in the American Youth Soccer Organization wear. The AYSO is a huge organization for youth soccer in the U.S. and was actually founded in my hometown of Torrance, California. My question is, is there anything that you can name that makes you feel proud, or maybe not so proud, to name drop your city? Thanks for keeping up the podcast. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. That is from Ren in Torrance, California, letting us know why uh, Michael Cage was talking about the Big Bird banana shirt. It was because he was reffing kids soccer, and that's what they wear in the AYSO. Fantastic. All right, so Trey, you got an answer for this? Yeah, I got to shout out all of the awesome things in Plano, Illinois, not too long ago on the podcast. But away from home, um, I'm always checking tackle boxes to see if there's a Plano molding logo on there. And you see it everywhere because, you know, people use tackle boxes not just for fishing. You'll see it on a first aid kit or, you know, the face paints that a clown has or maybe a cash box at a school. But whenever I see that little P, it makes me feel like home. Hmm. I'm gonna be looking for that now. So if there's a P, that's what it that's what it stands for, right? It was made oh, in yeah. Plano. Huh? Yeah. Um, mine's obvious. I mean, I guess it makes me proud. Maybe at times not. I don't know anymore. From Stratford, Ontario, <laughs> the home of Justin Bieber. <laughs> there's a there is. I've never I've never gone in it because um, it wasn't there when I was growing up. But there is a Justin Bieber museum just on the outskirts of Stratford. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, one day, guys, when we can travel again, we'll all go back to Stratford, Ontario. Tass, you can smell the manure in the mm. air, and uh, we can uh, go to the Pizza Hut buffet and scarf down some dessert pizzas, and we'll swing by Scooper's ice cream. I don't even know if this place is still open, but then we'll go to the Justin Bieber Museum. Lee, I feel like you would like that. Oh, I would love that. Oh, if I ever go to Stratford, I'm definitely going to check it out, for sure. I mean, why not? Why would you not go and check it out? you get a great gram, wouldn't you? Maybe tag thieves in it. <laughs> oh, oh, no, you know what you do? Back. Put your sunglasses yeah, yeah. on, mate. Yeah. What, you, what you should do is take a basketball and do the beebs outside the beaver. That'd, oh, be, uh, yeah. that'd be the gram. Yeah, that'd be the gram. Do the beaver outside the beaver. <laughs> that'd be the gram. <laughs> uh, what, about, what about any of you other guys? Uh, you got something that makes you... Proud or not proud to name drop your city? Well, I guess uh, Australians and uh, particularly people from Melbourne really hate bragging about anything to do with Melbourne. And the fact that the city has the most number one draft picks in the NBA in the world is uh, something that I'll remind people of every now and again because Kyrie Irving counts. He was born in Melbourne. 
He was born in Melbourne. Ben Simmons, obviously 2016. Andrew Bogut, 2005. So uh, that's pretty remarkable that that city has more number one picks than any others in the world. Wait, 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 wait. Is you you consider Melbourne your home, your yeah. your home city? Oh, what, how, what about Sunbury? Well, I mean, yeah, Sunbury's a deep dive, you know. I mean, but like, but <laughs> yeah, you know, like you, you, if I say Sunbury to people, they say, "Where's that?" And I say, "Do you know Melbourne?" And they'll say, "Oh, okay, I've heard of Melbourne." You know, not yeah, but how far away is it? How far away? is Ah, oh, like twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes. Oh, okay, okay, it's, yeah. it's yeah. a lot closer than I thought. Yeah. I thought that would be like me saying, "Well, yeah, I'm from Toronto. It's like an hour and a half away." But okay. Oh no, 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 no. It's like a suburb of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the great city of Toronto, I was born there, but grew up in the great city of Mississauga, the sixth biggest city in Canada, which is weird to say. Uh, The best part about Mississauga, I'd say, is Palladium. It's the best fun zone. It's an arcade slash go-kart slash uh, baseball, the hitting cages, batting cages. Uh, That's the best one in in the Toronto area, unless I'm wrong. And it was, it's been there... For a long time, I uh, I sniffed some gasoline there when I was a kid. Uh, I worked I worked on the go karts for a while. That's why I sniffed Ooh. the gasoline. I wasn't actually sniffing it, but I would come home <laughs> stinking like gasoline. Uh, I worked there right right when it's opened. It was in the nineties, late nineties. Um, it was a blast. Nothing better than Palladium. People say, "Oh, Dave and Buster's." Nah, not as good. Uh, there's a lot more to do at Palladium. It's a fun time. Was Palladium though? a chain? Or was it just like that one spot? It, it, that was the first one, and then they tried to put one in Toronto. I think it closed down, and I'm pretty sure it's still open in uh, in Mississauga. I'm pretty sure. Hmm. It's a good yeah, name. The, I remember going to the one in the entertainment district, and it, I think it lasted like six months. It was it was not good. I did yeah. not like it. But you can't have space I'm an there. adult, and I don't like arcades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this that's the great part about Palladium in Mississauga is that. You can go, uh, you know, you, li- you like things that go fast on wheels, Jetty. That's true. You go-karts. Yeah, they didn't have any go-karts at the one in uh, uh, downtown, so. No, the rent's too damn high. You're right. You're right, Tassie. <laughs> and, J.D., you're the, uh, you're, you're the rare, you know, Miss Saga is big, like Tass said. It's yeah. huge. For, for whatever reason, we don't think of it as big. But uh, you're you're a straight-up Toronto born and raised. Born and raised. Crazy. East side Toronto, East End. Um I'm Mike Myers for me. He's a, he's our biggest mm. export. He he grew up uh, a couple of kilometers from my house. I won't say uh, miles because uh, we're talking Canada here. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a national treasure. So yeah, Mike Myers for me. Beautiful, beautiful guys. Thanks for your emails. Keep them coming. No dunks at theathletic dot com. Tweet them in hashtag No Dunks at No Dunks Inc. We uh, we eagerly wait uh the news from thursday's nba board of governors meeting we will have a podcast very likely have a podcast reacting to that either later on thursday or maybe the friday morning if we do indeed and and you know rumors are that we're going to get uh silver's proposal to uh bring basketball back at the end of the july in uh or at disney world so we'll, we'll break that down when we get the details about that We've yeah also, shrams uh, just sorry to cut you off, shrams just dropped this article what the proposal should look like for okay. the uh, for the owners so we don't even need to wait let's just start talking about it no, <laughs> well, well we'll wait till it's official but make sure you go yeah read what shams is writing at the athletic you know he's always in the know um film session we have uh, decided to pick like a, a fun movie to break down we're gonna watch and review semi-pro Mm. With uh, starring Will Ferrell 
And we're going to try and get a guest for this one. Dave Schilling is going to join us to break mm-hmm. down semi-pro. So uh, we're hoping to talk about that one uh, tomorrow, I think. What what day is it, guys? It is Wednesday right now, it's right? It's Wednesday, yeah. Time is, is messed up for me right now and days and stuff like that. So film session is coming. Going to talk with Dave Schilling watching semi-pro. Has, has anyone not seen semi-pro on the call here? Yeah, me. I'm looking forward to it. I think it should be Oh, you've be never good. seen it? Okay. No, I've never seen it. Yeah. I, okay. I don't think um, I have either. All right, well, uh, a very funny basketball movie, so this should be great. And Dave Schilling is hilarious, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, again, keep your questions coming. Uh, I said we have a squad that we're working on. We'll probably push that to next week, but it'll be a fun and silly one. So the podcast continues here. And, uh, of course, everyone out there listening, just make sure you stay safe. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, learn, donate, participate. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.